listen to your teachers. I mean, really listen to them, active listening. And then once you listen, work with them to formulate a plan and then make sure that you can explain why this plan is happening. Because I think sometimes we are asked our opinion and they may not really listen. So a plan is formulated and then it's pushed out and it doesn't look like anything like what we had suggested to begin with. And then we don't understand. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Mandy Tolan is a high school math teacher, a technology leader, a Google certified innovator, a blogger, and the author of Make Math Not Suck, a guide for teachers to create fun and memorable math experiences for students. She loves to learn and share her knowledge with others. Mandy also has a passion for changing how we teach to create thinkers and learners. In other words, Mandy's doing everything she can to make students realize that math is a fun subject and not a scary subject on so many different platforms. So Mandy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. I, I can't wait to hear some of the things you have to say because a lot of people get the jitters when they hear about math and the idea of they, they're not good at math or anything like that. So I'm, I'm really interested in some of the things you have to say. On so many platforms, doing all these things, maybe I can just start with why do you do what you do? I really do have a passion for students and I want them to enjoy their education. I think a lot of areas students still do enjoy education, but math is one area where they struggle. They've struggled for a long time and they just don't like it. And so that was, that's why I do a lot of what I do. I want students to not hate math. I don't, they don't have to like it. I just don't want them to hate it, <laughs> which, which I think is an okay thing. That's fair. Um, the other part of what I do is like, I can make changes to impact my classroom, but I would really like to make changes that impact more than just my classroom. So that's why I share on so many platforms because I would like to to share my successes and my failures with others. So hopefully they can learn from it too. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about some of your successes and failures. You're clearly successful at um, helping students become successful and reaching that goal of uh, making math not suck. So can you think about, or, or what would you consider one of your best accomplishments as a teacher? I was in an Algebra 1 program that was struggling and when I, when I say struggling, um, not just based on test scores, like our students were being unsuccessful, they were not feeling successful, and it felt like we were kind of spinning our wheels with what we were doing. So I did a little bit of research and worked with some people that I met through Twitter, and we came up with kind of a standards-based approach in algebra, and then we later moved it to some of our other subject areas as well. The coolest thing about that was the first time a student walked into my classroom 
and said, hey, can I have more practice with solving two-step equations? Because they knew exactly what they needed help with. And because they were able to verbalize what they needed help with, they came in and asked for extra practice, not for points, not for a grade, but because they wanted to get better. And I, it just, that smacked me in the face the first day that happened. And I remember when they left, I sit back and went, this is, this is what we wanted. We want students to want to get better, not because their grades writing on it, but because they want to improve. So of all of the things I've done, that's, that's one that I'm still pretty excited about. Yeah, you, you should be excited about that. That is so powerful to have a student want to get better to get better. And now I would, I would almost, it makes me think about the idea that everybody's doing the best they can, right? And we have to, we have to consider that. So it's almost like you uncovered the fact that they're doing the best they can and made it real instead of just the consideration that, oh, they're only trying to get a grade or, or things like that, which we know falls short. Right, right. So help me, help me out with this with leaders. And thinking about leaders and teachers, if, if leaders go on the idea that if a teacher could do better, they would be doing better. And so how can they support teachers or engage them or empower them to verbalize where they need to get better or where they need that support? Do you have any ideas around that? Um, the, the first thing that has to happen with that is the teacher has to be reflective themselves. And if a teacher doesn't know how to reflect on their own experiences, they're probably not going to be able to answer that question. It's one of the areas that I think I saw as a downfall for a long time. I am constantly looking at what I do to see where things didn't go well for the purpose of getting better. But sometimes you can kind of get stuck in the mud with what didn't go well. You do have to shift that focus to how you can get better with it. Um, but I, I have worked with teachers where they, they don't do that. And I don't know if it's, they don't know how to do it, or if nobody's really explained that you really need to reflect on your practices to see where that's at. But once a teacher knows the areas that they need to improve, then they need to have the tools to improve. And that was one of the areas that I talked about with my dissertation that I recently completed. I go to social media a lot. And so I wanted to know, you know, how do teachers learn professionally? Because I think if we had some autonomy in what we choose and social media just happens to be an area where teachers can choose what they want to learn, it's not that one size fits all. It's letting them go find people, go find experts, go find ideas to help in those areas where they they see a need for improvement in themselves. It's always difficult to take critique from others. So if an administrator or even if you give a survey to students and students tell you that you're doing poorly (laughs) in some area, it's kind of difficult to take that criticism. So if you're reflective yourself and you can look at that, I think it opens you up a little bit more than to criticism from others and then allows you to seek out solutions for it. That's that's excellent. So it almost makes me think that look, the, the leader of the school has to become a teacher again and and model some of these behaviors, right? And be able to be vulnerable in front of their staff and, and show where they've made mistakes and where they're trying to improve. And it also makes me think that leaders have to give teachers, not only give them the room, but also teach them or give examples on how they can be open to reflection. Yes. And then I let them go. completely agree with that. Yes. I mean, we, we have to make sure that they know how to reflect. Because you can't get better if you don't know where you need to get better. Right. So 
So let's do a little bit of reflecting. Look at the opposite side of that coin. <laughs> Can you think of a time where you didn't do so well? So think of think of one of your own failures that still kind of kind of hangs out with you. And is there a way, which we can hit this after you, you talk about it a little bit, is there a way a leader could have stepped in to keep you from failing or support you through that failure to make learning from it easier, so to speak? In my search for a solution for Algebra 1, because what I shared with you earlier that was very successful was not my first suggestion. Um, we actually went through about four years of trial and error of things that we wanted to do. One of those was like an adaptive math program. And our classes were quite large. So we suggested, or I suggested, it was it was kind of my idea. So that's why when it failed, it was I kind of felt like it was on me. We split the class into two. So half the class was working independently on this adaptive math program. Well, the instruction was happening with the other half of the students, and it was it was a complete disaster. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> well, at least honest, you can admit it, right? <laughs> it was a terrible idea. And about a month into it, because we committed to trying it for a semester, about a month into it, I was like, "Why? Why did we do this?" <laughs> really, it was. <laughs> I mean, they they were students that were lower functioning to begin with, so they really needed more assistance than just being split off into a group. So they couldn't work independently very well. The feedback wasn't very good. And so then you're trying to teach students, but also deal with behavior issues. Um, and so as far as how could an administrator have helped with that, I don't feel like as a team, the leadership and the teacher team that we worked with, I don't feel like we really talked about the pros and cons of it. I really kind of feel like we were taking ideas and throwing them out of the wall like a mud ball and hoping something stuck. Right. And this mud ball right. fell off the wall pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think if you have ideas that you're not sure about like this, I think a leader, if you can sit down and talk with them about pros and cons and what are we going to do if it succeeds? What are we going to do if it doesn't succeed? So we have some next steps. Because as soon as that semester was over, it was a like, well, that didn't go well. Now, what are we going to do? I don't really feel like we had a very good plan in place to take care of it. But at the same time, those failures led us to a successful program in the end. Right. So it right. just took a while to get there. Well, I, and that's an important point that you bring up, the idea that these successes that we often see in social media, they, they aren't the first iteration, right? Right. Uh, it's it's people have tried and failed and, and learned and tried and failed and learned. And they've gone through multiple iterations to get to where they are. And and the tricky part about that even is that that doesn't necessarily work in your school. Right. Um, so they've gotten there because they've had to adjust based on the context or the circumstances that they have going on at their school. So you can never you can never leave out that iteration part. Where you have Absolutely. To consider things. Absolutely. I, I actually talk about that a lot with a lot of things. You you have to just keep you have to keep trying things. I do it with lessons. I mean, if a lesson is unsuccessful, we don't do it again, or I change it and make it better. Even if a lesson was successful, I reflect on it to see how we could make it better the next time. I don't think I've used something exactly the same two years in a row ever. I don't <laughs> think I have ever done right. that. Right. Which makes for Fantastic teaching and learning, but extra hours, definitely, <laughs> when putting it all together. The, um, you, you know, what you were, 
what you were saying about we didn't have a plan for if it didn't fail, it reminds me of so many different things. It reminds me of different ways of looking at things being the whole idea of, you know, one of my favorite questions is what would this look like if it were easy? Because we always get into the idea of we can't do it because instead of saying, well, what if we just did this? But that aside, then doing a a pre-mortem, so to speak, instead of a post-mortem, looking at something and saying, okay, so when this doesn't work, what do we do instead? Like, why didn't it work? And trying to examine things that way. Right. That's... That's all difficult. That's all difficult things to do. It is. So what I'm what I'm hearing you say is that the way leadership could have helped you with that or supported you more is to help you vet out some of these ideas and come up with some suggestions of not looking at you and saying when it fails, but looking at you and saying if it fails, have you thought about A, B, or C? Right. That would have been good. Also, I think as an educator who was implementing it, I took some of that failure on myself, which is okay. Like I said, I, I reflected on it and I eventually came up with a plan that was better through the process. But I know some of the teachers who were younger than I was, who didn't have as much experience as I did, um, they took it very much to heart and they themselves felt like the failure. And I think it did impact them as teachers kind of in a negative way. So as a leader, Leaders need to figure out how to say it's okay that it failed. What did we learn from it? And then here are some next steps. I think the leader always has to be saying, so what's the next step? It's okay. It happens. It's kind of good if it fails and you learn from it. It's a great experience. And how do we move forward? Instead of kind of getting bogged down in, well, that didn't work. And you know, now, now what are we going to do? I mean, it's, it's how you spin it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of things leaders can do to try and support teachers. But do you think that's the most important thing to be able to look at mistakes and say, move forward? Or are there some other key things a leader can do to support, engage, or empower their teachers? I think giving them some autonomy is important. Um, I also feel, however, that as a leader in the building, there need to be expectations that, like, these are the basic expectations, and we have to hold people, I say accountability with grace. That's what I call it. Because there's, I mean, we're humans. It's gray area. Things are going to happen. But overall accountability, like here are the expectations that we have. And this is, as a professional, this is what we want teachers to do. And this is what that looks like. Also modeling that, you know, this is what I do. This is what I expect. So I think that's important as much as the autonomy is with it. And then just giving people the chance raising up the the people and saying, you can lead, even if you don't think you can, you can be a leader among the teachers, you can be a leader in your classroom, you have the capabilities to do this, and then giving them the opportunities. I love the idea of accountability with grace. Because like you said, there do have to, there have to be some basic expectations for a school to do well by its students, to serve its students and serve its communities. But the idea of accountability, we we all do better with accountability. At least I, I know I do. I don't want to jump to say that, you know, everybody does, but I, I honestly believe that if I'm part of a group, like I'm, I'm part of a couple of groups outside of school and we do things like read books and things like that. Well, there's one sure way to make sure that Chris Jones reads a book. And that's by saying, we're going to talk about what you, you were supposed to read by the time we show up and meet. And there's no way I'm going to show up and say, um, 
I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a little too embarrassing for me. So, it, you know, it's almost like the, the thing that people talk about with friendly competition, raising the game for everybody, that whole accountability piece, but understanding that things do come up. Yes. Um, people do struggle with things and, and so forth. But one of the things, because you're talking about the accountability and you, a lot of what you talk about with math has to do with, um, or with teaching math, reflecting on what you're doing well and reflecting on what's not working and changing it. But you had touched on earlier the idea that there are people out there that don't quite know how to get to that piece or quite know how to reflect or where to start. So that's kind of a larger topic that I do want to touch on. But the first thing I want to do is stop to hear from some of our sponsors. So when we come back, we'll hit that reflection topic. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, who put out a great newsletter every Sunday called The Weekend Resource. This newsletter provides incredible value, sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources. And I personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource, because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Mandy. And, you know, before we left, we were talking about reflection, or we mentioned that we want to talk about that a little more because a lot of what you've said already has to do with the power of reflection. And it's important for teachers to reflect. It's important for leaders to reflect. But we're still kind of in the area where there are people who struggle with that. I mean, you talk to some people and they think reflecting is 30 minutes listening to calming music and hoping something comes to them. And of course, not a lot of us have an extra half hour to do that. So they kind of turn it off. And, and sometimes five minutes isn't enough. But reflecting does have to be one thing. It's got to be purposeful. So do you have any advice or experience or takeaways for people on how they could get into reflecting effectively, so to speak? Absolutely. Well, I actually teach my students how to reflect. It was part of that whole process that we talked about earlier with the standards-based learning. So after every assessment that we give, whether and most of our assessments are formative, we, we only really have one summative assessment and it's at the end of a semester. And so after every assessment, I have the students look at what they have done well on. And we always start with what have you done well on? Because I want them to realize just as I would want an educator, if I were teaching an educator how to reflect, I want you to realize that things went well. Like even if it looked like a train wreck to begin with, there were probably some things that went well before it derailed. And so reflect on what went well, write them down. So that's what I have my students do. They, they write them down, what went well. Then we move on to where are some areas that I could improve? And I do the same thing. So I don't feel like this went well. And for students, we do next steps. It could be the same thing for educators. Um, and that's what I do myself. 
if it didn't go well, what are the next steps? And then I set goals. So if it's an activity that I'm going to do again, I jot down some notes about how it could get better. If it's something that I'm going to do relatively quickly, like what are my next steps to improve this immediately? And I think using both of those, starting with what went well, looking at what you need to improve on and then taking the next steps for that, being purposeful, writing it down, If you don't write it down and it's okay, you can reflect in your head. I'm on my elliptical. That's where I do a lot of my thinking. And I will sometimes get off my elliptical and have to sit down and jot some things down. I'm not going to lie. I think I wrote some of my dissertation in my head while on the elliptical. You can do the same thing with reflection, but you do need to write it down or you won't remember those next steps. And and you need to let that go. Yeah, no, that's that's so meaningful because... First of all, I have to say, you know, if you're reflecting on your elliptical, that great for you because when I'm on my bike riding my bike, I have a spin bike in my basement, and then I have a mountain bike that I ride around outside. I'm trying to to live. I'm not trying. <laughs> I'm not reflecting on anything. I'm just going to be honest. So I have all that much more respect for people that can run or do the elliptical or anything like that and reflect on stuff. But you're so on point with write it down not just because of the the hand brain connection that we talk about with neural pathways and everything but because if anybody out there in podcast land is is like me i come up with the most brilliant ideas inventions strategies trust me they're brilliant and then i don't write them down and they're gone 5 seconds later yes <laughs> so so no it it that's i mean that's so that's so important to do that and the next step piece is super important yes but so that whole idea of that cycle that you basically mentioned, you were talking about, you know, what I did well, where do I need to improve and next steps. Um, I was sitting here nodding as you were saying that because I was going to talk about next steps. But is there in that cycle a place where there's a greater degree of vulnerability where if somebody, somebody being leaders, when teachers are reflecting, where somebody can really mess that process up by either stepping in, saying the wrong thing or addressing it wrong? Absolutely. So I think in order for reflection to be meaningful, it has to be personal. It has to be your thoughts. And I I do this even with students. Well, I don't, I don't know what I did well on. And so there might need to be just a little bit of guidance. Like I'm going to maybe point a figure finger or take a hand and say, kind of in this area, look here and see. Same thing with a leader with their teachers. If they just come right out and say, well, I see this area where it was good. The educator is immediately going to go there. They're not going to look at anything else. They're going to just zoom right in on that. The same thing with areas that need to improve on. If somebody tells them an area that they need to improve on, they're not going to look at anything else. It's also not going to mean as much to them because they didn't select it. It was kind of imposed on them. And so I think that's kind of a hard hard place to walk though, because if somebody's stuck and they're not sure exactly where to go, you want to guide them, but not tell them. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. It's almost, you know, it's, I think about being in a classroom and observing a classroom and that difference between, and usually this is actually more like things I see in a math classroom, the teacher guiding the student through questioning to get to the answer. So they get there on their, their own, rather than just saying the answer right, and letting the kid get it. so Purposeful questioning. Yep. Purposeful well, questioning. We've got all kinds of purposeful. Purposeful reflection, purposeful questioning. <laughs> so you're almost to the end. 
And before we get out, though, we're gonna we're gonna do a, a special book giveaway thing. But uh, I'll just tease that now, and I'll talk about it later. But I do have two questions that I like to ask everybody before they get to get out of this. So, are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> um, if you were not a teacher, who, not what, would you be, and why? Who would I be? I would be a person that still helps others. I would love to travel and and lead other people in education because I have a passion for it. But I also, I mean, I just, I like to help people with about anything. I would also like to be the person that does home renovation for people. I love home renovation. Really? I know that's an odd thing to say, but no. um, you got to talk I, more about that. <laughs> I like I like to build things and and make things better physically as as well as just the classroom. So oh, so you're you're a builder, whether it's physical, intellectual. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about that way, but yeah, I, I like to build things. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Totally understandable. I mean, you're in the classroom building learners every day and building um, young mathematicians, we'll say every day, right? Right. So whether physical, intellectual, or emotionally, you like to build people, build things. I do. Cool. So that one was more personal. The the last one I I asked, because we have to make sure that uh, we have leaders out there working to support, engage, and empower teachers like yourself. And um, that's the last question. What is the most important piece of advice? Here's the golden nugget that you're going to drop for all the leaders listening to this. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers? Listen to your teachers. I mean, really listen to them. Active listening. And then once you listen, work with them to formulate a plan. And then make sure that you can explain why this plan is happening. Because I think sometimes we are asked our opinion and they may not really listen. So a plan is formulated and then it's pushed out and it doesn't look like anything like what we had suggested to begin with. And then we don't understand. Like there's no explanation of why it happened the way that it happened. I think to be a cohesive family inside of a school we have to we have to know what our leaders thinking and we have to know why it's happening and we have to feel like they at least listen to us to get where we're at that is a fantastic piece of advice you know oftentimes there are things that go that go on in the background that leaders take for granted that other people might know that they have no ideas going on so when something is done sometimes it, with good intentions it comes out wrong and it comes across wrong because of it, it's poorly communicated um, or there, there are gaps in the communication. So that's, that's a great piece of advice. The, and you know, what really struck me is when you said, and we don't understand. Right. Because you were asked for your opinion. And, you know, quite often, because people see things as hierarchies and stuff like that, if you ask teachers their opinion and then they give it, they, they take that risk to give it. Say you're the leader of a school and they say, you know what, I'm going to trust this person. That's something so valuable to the leader that a, that a, a teacher would would trust them enough to give them their honest opinion. Here it is. This is this is what it really is. If that opinion's not taken or heard or anything like that, they are not going to step out again. 
they aren't. You are absolutely correct. So that's that's a brilliant piece of advice. So on that note, seeing that you have a lot of good advice in your book about how to not make math suck. I I love that title. I just keep want I want to keep saying it. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna do a book giveaway and specifically this is going to obviously be geared more towards math teachers because that's who's going to benefit the most from the book. You're all over different social medias. You've got a blog and everything. So what we're going to do is, what do you say we just limit it to Twitter? And the first five people that reply to the posting for this podcast coming out, that reply with what they do to make math not suck for students. They will be entered into a drawing, and then out of those five people, you'll draw somebody, and they'll get a book. But something about, like, prizes and games that you mentioned, you have stickers and stuff? Everybody loves stickers. I do have stickers. I have some Make Math Not Suck stickers and Infinitely Teaching, which is one of the blogs that I have that's not math-related. It's just technology-related. Oh, excellent. So we'll do that. The other people that reply will get some stickers? Yes, they will. Perfect. So are there any hashtags you want them to use? Um, you can do the hashtag MMNS, which is make math not suck. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. First five people, they reply to the posting of the podcast show. They have to tag you in the post, which will have your we'll have your Twitter handle and I'll ask you for it in a second. They have to tag me in the post at Dr. C S Jones. They have to use hashtag C2lead, S-E-E-T-O lead, and hashtag M-M-N-S. And so I could say it one more time, stands for Make Math Not Suck. And that's it. They'll get, in, they'll get in a drawing for a book and they'll get some stickers and things like that. Yep. All right. So you said a lot of good things here for both teachers and leaders. And I know that you're Mandy Tolan across a lot of social medias, but what's the best way to get in touch with you? And then I'll link up all the other social medias in the show notes. Um, I am on Twitter daily. So at Mandy Tolan EDU on Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. I, I love to interact with people on social media. Absolutely love it. Okay, awesome. So look, Mandy, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. You said some really good things for leaders to listen to about how to better support, engage, and empower their teachers, especially through listening and then communicating effectively. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate the advice on on reflecting and everything. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And hopefully I can use it um, in my own leadership role someday. So There you go. I look forward to it. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. Thank you.